been hearing a lot about mushroom coffee lately. I know. It sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Have you heard about mushroom coffee? Well, if you haven't, that's okay. It's just coffee mixed with mushroom powder. It's about half the caffeinated amount of regular coffee. And depending on the mushroom powder used, it can have different medicinal properties, such as maybe regulating your blood sugar or even counteracting the acid that can happen from drinking coffee. So what does that all have to do with our guest interview today? I've been curious about medicinal mushrooms for a while now, and I think I once even heard a doctor say that you should eat mushrooms every day for their health benefits, but I never really looked up why, why that was. Jeff Chilton, our guest today, has studied mushrooms his whole life. Yes, seriously, he's so passionate about them. He got interested in it when he was a kid and lived in the northwest part of the United States, and then he actually went on to make a career out of it. Yes, so much passion there. So we're going to dig into not only his career journey on the podcast, but why mushrooms are so healthy. We dig into a little bit of science, but mostly we're going to focus on how mushrooms are grown, how they boost immunity, so important right now, and how to cook mushrooms that you will actually eat. Jeff has so many great tips. And yes, then we dive into the mushroom extracts and powder. While Jeff's mission is to educate everyone on the benefits of mushroom, he's also the founder of Namex, which is a mushroom powder wholesaler. And then he also retails mushroom extracts at realmushrooms.com. And we'll link all of that on the show notes at badtothebull.com forward slash 38. So let's dive in, meet Jeff, and learn all about the wonders of mushrooms. It's time to adapt to a plant-based palate, minimize waste, and respect our environment. Hello, we are Joe and Sarah Hayes, and we are the hosts of the Bowl of Life podcast, where we are encouraging you to join the plant-forward food movement. It's time for vegetables to move from the side of your plate to the center, and we are here each week to help you do that. So if increasing your vegetable consumption and limiting your animal proteins sounds like a win-win to you, go grab a spoon or fork. And let's dive in to learning more about how you can be plant forward. Hello, and welcome back to the Bowl of Life podcast. Mushrooms and their supplement benefits are a hot topic right now, especially in the plant-based world. And for good reason, as our guest today will go into depth on, Jeff Chilton is the founder of Namex. Namex was founded in 1989 and is an industry leader in producing organic mushroom extracts. Jeff has spent his career studying and researching mushrooms and even co-authored and published a book on small-scale mushroom cultivation. The Mushroom Cultivator is the name of the book. So Jeff is the expert, so let's dive in and learn more. Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are so passionate about the benefits of mushrooms? Sure. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on the program. And, uh, you you know, I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, and it's such a beautiful place. We have forests. It's the evergreen state, lots of lakes and rivers, but that does come with a cost, which means we have a lot of rain out here. Well, 
perfect place for mushrooms. And so um, it is probably one of the best places in the world for wild mushrooms. So when I was younger, I was able to get out and do some mushroom hunting. And look, if you ever want to have fun with your kids, take them out on a mushroom hunt. It's like treasure hunting. When you when you find them, it's like, oh my God. And in and Michigan area, I think morels are a really big thing in the spring. Hey, it's it's morel season. Better get oh, yeah. out there. So so when I went on to university, um, my field of study was actually anthropology, but at the University of Washington, we had a mycology department, which is the study of fungi, of which mushrooms are a part. So I put those together and I studied in my anthropological studies, the use of mushrooms for food, for medicine, uh, in shamanic purposes, uh, worldwide, uh, which was really a fascinating subject. But when I got out of university, it was like, well, not many jobs in anthropology. And I thought, <laughs> well, you know what? I'd really love to learn how to grow mushrooms. And maybe I can get a job with a mushroom farm. I talked to my mycology professor and he said, there is a mushroom farm 60 miles down the road in Olympia, Washington. Uh, the only one in the state, of course, which is <laughs> interesting. I went down there. I applied for a job. I got a job. I was there for the next 10 years and I was literally living with mushrooms for that period of time. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Have you ever have you ever been to a mushroom farm? I have not. Well, I know. I mean, you and everybody else, nobody's <laughs> been to a mushroom farm because in in North America mushrooms are grown indoors in very large warehouses. And so you never see what's going on. You drive right by it. You don't even know there's a mushroom mm. farm there. So so um, that's one of the things that it's like to actually know the process of growing mushrooms and all that. It's not like driving and seeing fields of corn and all of that. So it's very kind of uh, esoteric and let's say hidden uh, cultivation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, besides, you know, the, you know, hunting for morels in Michigan. Yeah, I've never. And I guess I've never really even thought about where they're grown either. So Yeah, I mean, well, well, it's it's fun and they, you know, they have mycological societies in almost every metropolis uh, as you go around and certainly it's a big deal in Michigan. But you know what, the the um when you're uh, cultivating mushrooms, and, and um, it's it's something that's very very um, uh, intense. The you've got the you're in, on that farm. We had uh, eight new crops that we were establishing every week. We had eight older crops that we were throwing out. The cropping was on a ninety day cycle. I literally saw at least. 200 different crops every single year. Now wow. think about that for a second. I was there for 10 years. That means I saw 2,000 different crops. How many crops, uh, uh, different crops does a normal farmer see in a lifetime? What, maybe 50 crops? Uh, um, so, so and, and here's another thing that, that I think is really interesting. 
every single mushroom that you've ever eaten has been picked by hand. Oh, no wonder they're, they're a little pricier to buy, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. And, and there's literally, I mean, this was a big farm. We had an army of harvesters and, and um, mushrooms. Another little secret here, mushrooms never sleep. <laughs> they, they continue to grow. And so you have to harvest mushrooms on a larger farm every single day of the year. Wow. We have harvesters in harvesting these mushrooms. So, so if for one, if you're a mushroom farmer, you're a babysitter, you can't leave the farm. Somebody's <laughs> got to be there tending these crops, even the small growers, somebody's got to be there. And plus, once you harvest it, you've got to get it to market. It Otherwise, it'll spoil. It's got a, a short shelf life. So, so it's, it's really a, a very different type of agriculture, so to speak. I was there for 10 years, uh, living with mushrooms. And then in um, 1983, I co-authored a book called The Mushroom Cultivator, which you spoke about, A Practical Guide to Growing Mushrooms at Home. And then by 1989, I realized that rather than being a mushroom farmer, um, I... I'm going to switch gears because I'd read a lot about mushrooms and their medicinal uh, benefits. Mm -hmm. I switched gears and went, okay, I'm going to start a business selling mushrooms as uh, um, uh, a nutritional supplement. And one of the benefits of that, uh, Sarah, was that now I didn't have a fresh product. Supplements are dried powders. Right. I don't have to babysit a dried powder. It can just <laughs> it can just sit there and be uh, and, and wait till I say, okay, I'm selling you. So so that was a big change. And and also, you know, one of the things about that was that in 1989, no companies out there, no herbal products company had a mushroom extract or a mushroom in their product line. So I had to essentially introduce these mushroom extracts as supplements to this very large herbal supplement market with these companies. So it took about 10 years to really educate and establish mushrooms as uh, an herbal supplement. And, and look, they've been used for thousands of years in traditional Chinese medicine. So it wasn't something that was unknown, but, you know, think about it. The, the, these companies are saying to me, well, well, nobody's asking for this product. Why should we buy it, buy it and, and sell it? Because my company is basically selling the, the bulk powders to them and they're going to put it out with their own label and, and all of the rest. So they're like, well, there's no demand. Why should we put out this product? So it was a, a lot of education to actually introduce mushrooms, uh, medicinal mushrooms, or what we call functional mushrooms to that marketplace and actually get that established um, out there. Yeah, yeah. I have a marketing background. So I'm sure, yeah, that whole educational aspect of things and bringing a product to market that especially one that's, you know, hasn't been used before in 
you know, maybe the U.S. as more of that medicinal type of product. Wow, that had to be uh, maybe a little bit of an uphill battle at times. Oh yeah, it was it was uh, it was difficult. It took uh, years before we actually had a business, so to speak. <laughs> but but listen, you know, one of the things that that I really um, like to do too is talk a little bit about mushrooms as food because to me mushrooms are a, a forgotten food and, and I call mushrooms the the missing dietary link and, and especially for people that are plant-based uh, um, mushrooms are a perfect uh, uh and I don't want to say vegetable because it's not a vegetable, but to put into your diet. And, and just for a minute, let me just say this about how mushrooms fit. Mushrooms are not a plant. They're not an animal. Okay, what are they? Yeah, <laughs> well, that was going through my mind. I was like, what category do they fall in? <laughs> yeah, well, there's actually the kingdom of fungi. And mushrooms f fit into that kingdom. And it's kind of interesting because they have attributes of, of plants and they have attributes of, um, of animals. For example, the, the mushroom will breathe in oxygen, exhale carbon dioxide, like humans. Um, oh. Mushrooms, as their storage carbohydrate, actually have glycogen like humans so oh. but as a plant they are out there in the environment and and here's the um basically there's there's a couple categories here that are interesting that when we break down these um uh, fungi into a number of categories there's two categories that are are important for us to know one is called the imperfect fungi and the other is the perfect fungi. Mushrooms are in this category called perfect fungi. The imperfect fungi, we all know that category. And, and why do we? Because imperfect fungi are molds. Mm. Okay, so so you've ever seen uh, that bread that just kind of was uh, sitting a little bit too long in your drawer yeah. or wherever, and you pull it out and it's like, oops, it's got a green growth on it or a black growth and we go oh that's got a that's a mold on there and so you're like okay uh, enough of that we throw that out well that actually uh, uh, is a fungus and it is um, but it does not produce a mushroom it does not produce what we call a fruiting body it just has one particular stage of growth there and whereas the perfect fungi will produce a mushroom. And there's three things to, to know here about uh, what we call a mushroom. Um, first of all, mushrooms don't have seeds. How do we how do we grow a mushroom? How do we grow a mushroom if it's got no seeds? <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of like, huh, no seeds. What am I supposed to do here? Well, mushrooms have spores. Those spores um, are out in our environment. They land on the ground. They land in, uh, uh, on a piece of wood. When conditions are right, those spores will germinate into a very, very fine thread-like filament. 
And when multiple of those filaments fuse together, they will form a network. And that network of filaments we call mycelium. Now, yes, the this, science is coming back to me. <laughs> like, yes, yes, and and that mycelium is is the body. That's the body of this organism. Think of it in a way. It's almost like um, the tree that then produces the fruit, which is the uh, mushroom itself. Um, mycelium can also be kind of considered like a root structure, but we don't normally see the mycelium. It's hidden from us because it's mm -hmm. underground or it's inside that piece of wood. And what it's doing, it's one of nature's decomposers. So all of that organic matter, think about all the leaves that fall out of the out of the forests every year. Think of all the the branches and the woody material. Think of annual plants that every year come up. They grow, they flower, they they produce whatever they they're going to produce. Then they die. And what happens to all of that organic matter? Well, it gets broken down by fungi or bacteria or little bugs. They're all breaking this down. So fungi are a premier a decomposer. So that's all being decomposed. And, and what part of this organism is doing that? This mycelial vegetative body. Now, as it's breaking all that down into humus, which gets later uh, used by plants, um, when conditions are right, like in the fall out here, temperature goes down, humidity goes up, up comes a mushroom. And mm. that mushroom is the what we would call the fruiting body. So with this organism, we have a vegetative body. We have a fruiting body. When that mushroom comes up, it, it starts as a really small little tiny what we would call a pinhead and then it grows into a button and then it grows up more the stem gets longer the cap opens up underneath are these gills and those gills produce the spores and now we have a completion of this life cycle so what we have is we have what we call in the supplement industry we have three plant parts we have spore we have mycelium and we have mushroom. And why that's important is because if you go out to buy a supplement, they have to tell you what part of that plant or mushroom that they are selling you because the different parts will have different amounts of the important medicinal compounds. For example, if you're going out to buy ginseng, you want to be sure you're getting the root. If you if you buy something called ginkgo, uh, then you would want to be sure you're getting something that you're getting the leaf of that. When you're buying a mushroom product, you want to be sure you're getting the mushroom part of it. So that plant part is really, really important. And, and in terms of food, what we are eating of this organism that we call a mushroom, we're eating 
the mushroom itself. And that's something that humans have consumed for thousands of years as a high quality food. In fact, it's kind of funny, you know, Sarah, because these days there's all sorts of, well, for one, there's, there's places that will sell a mushroom burger. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes that can actually be like, I've seen mushroom burgers and it's this big mushroom cap and some places they will sandwich it between two pieces of lettuce. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they might actually put it on a bun or something. It just depends on, on your dietary choices, but it's kind of interesting because mushrooms are actually pretty meaty. And in fact, in the 17th century in England, they used to call mushrooms poor man's meat. Can you imagine poor man's meat? Well, because, you know, if you're poor, you can't necessarily even afford meat because it's more expensive. But this mushroom, you can go out there and season. And some of the mushrooms that you find are nice, big, meaty mushrooms that are. And and here's what's interesting about mushrooms is when I started at the mushroom farm in 1973 classical nutritionists said and and were saying that mushrooms have no food value oh um and it's like well oh wait a second and they're like they're good for you know they've got a great flavor and maybe they're you know can be used as a garnish or or, or something you can put them into different foods but they're mostly there for flavor why did they say that they said that because mushrooms are low in calories. And so for a a classical nutritionist, it's like no calories, no food value. So I know, can you imagine? And and these days when we're talking about low-cal foods, it's like, well, this is a positive thing. And one of the other things about mushrooms, which is one of the reasons why they are more low calorie is they're very high in fiber. Mm. So, so here's, here's the, the basic breakdown for people about mushrooms and their um, nutritional value. Mushrooms are uh, approximately 20 to 25% protein and, and it's, and it's relatively high quality protein. There's only one limiting uh, of our, the major amino acids and that's methionine. Um, they're, they're mostly carbohydrates. So anywhere from, let's just say 30 to, or, or, or more, let's say 40 to 70% carbohydrate, but good, high quality carbohydrates. There's no starch in there. So when it comes to like the glycemic index or something, it's not like eating a potato or a right. piece of bread where all of a sudden up goes your, uh, the glycemic in, up goes your, you know, glucose level. And then it comes crashing down on the other side. No, what mushrooms, uh, their carbohydrate, the main carbohydrate is called mannitol. Mannitol is a very slow acting carbohydrate, not well digested. So we've got very positive, good carbohydrates in mushrooms. Uh, and a lot of them uh, make up that fiber. And one of those carbs is also something called a 
beta-glucan. And this beta-glucan makes up 50% of the cell wall of a mushroom. And that's what gives mushrooms their medicinal value. So, uh, so what, yeah, what, what does beta-gluten um, contribute to, like, to health-wise? Well, well, the beta-glucan, um, we actually have receptor sites in our small intestine for beta-glucans. It's really interesting. And what they do is they will hit those receptor sites and then that will stimulate the production of immune cells. And so they will, they will uh, have, get uh, macrophages, NK cells, uh, helper T cells, and those will produce immunological cytokines so what we're looking at, think about them this way. They are potentiating our immunity. They are helping us cope with all of those different health challenges we may have out there from, whether it be from bacteria, uh, possibly could be other fungi that are challenging us. It could be a virus. So, so they're essentially there. And, and this is part of, you know, the way they act is, is they don't act like, I mean, you're familiar with what an IBU does or an aspirin or something that right. like that. You, you take it and you sort of notice the effects uh, within an hour or so. Right. Right. That's not how mushrooms act. What they are. It, it's kind of like, think about a, uh, if you take a, uh, vitamin C or vitamin D, do you go a couple hours later? Wow, I can really feel that. That's amazing. <laughs> no, that's not how mushrooms work. Mushrooms are something, it's just like when we're eating things, you, you, um, you incorporate them into your diet. They are there for you sitting in the background. When you get out of balance, that's when they kick in and help you to uh, fend off any challenges to your health that come along. So mushrooms, in that sense, I look at them as a uh, in terms of prevention. They're mm -hmm. a food, and, and this is where I really strongly consider them to be food as medicine. And you know, Sarah. This is something that we should all be thinking about. Is the food that we're consuming going to do even more than just provide us with these wonderful nutrients? But it is, does it also have certain compounds in there that can help us with uh, fending off any kind of illnesses? I mean, I mean, it's just like certain vegetables have very interesting uh phytonutrients in there that will like broccoli has certain compounds um so mushrooms are in that category and that's why i consider them as a medicinal food and something that people should be putting into their diet as just a regular part of it mm, yeah that's a, that's a really good explanation there 
as a preventative food to build up your immunity. Because I had always heard that mushrooms were so good for you. And I think I even had heard a doctor, and I forget his name, a plant-based doctor, say, well, you need to eat mushrooms every day. And I can never remember, like, why he said that. But now your explanation totally makes sense. And it's all putting it in perspective for me. And I agree. I am totally on board with using food as medicine. And in fact, it's why I went plant-based was to deal with some inflammation issues and was like, okay, there's something that is continuing this inflammation I'm having. And yeah, there was. <laughs> and it took a couple months to work itself out, but uh, yeah, it, it did. And so I totally 100% behind the, the using food as, as medicine. So- Well, yeah, go sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, you had mentioned to me earlier as well that mushrooms were really high in vitamin D. And I, w- I wondered if you could speak a little bit about that and how that plays a role in plant-based eating. Well, well, first of all, let me say uh, mushrooms are not high in vitamin D. Oh, okay. But, but here's the interesting thing. Mushrooms have a compound in them called ergosterol that's the fungal sterol and it's it's almost exactly the same as our cholesterol okay Mm. and cholesterol in humans when we are in the sunlight and exposing our skin that cholesterol turns into vitamin d3 in our bodies so that's how we get vitamin D, our bodies actually produce vitamin D. In fungi and in mushrooms, it's exactly the same. When you expose those mushrooms to UV, like putting them out in uh, the sunlight, that ergosterol turns into vitamin D2. And, And so one of the things that we're doing and which uh, has been going on for a while now is we are exposing some of our mushroom extract powders to uv light and building up the amount of vitamin d in those mushrooms and so that's something that we will be offering we actually have a couple of products that we're selling right now that that are as much as 2000 IUs of vitamin D. And listen, if you're like uh, um, me with uh, the whole vitamin D and what it does, and I've been studying vitamin D now for probably four or five years and looking very deeply into all of the benefits of vitamin D, it is so important, especially for those of us that live in the norm, uh, mm. northern climates, yeah. we do not get enough vitamin D. And one of the things that they've exposed in this whole uh, pandemic right now is that a great majority of people that are having so much difficulty with COVID, they have uh, lower levels of vitamin D and do have much more trouble with the virus than people that have normal levels of vitamin D. So it's a very important vitamin. Everybody, everybody should be supplementing it with it, whether it's from 
a mushroom source or uh, another source. And one of the things here too, if you are plant-based now um, or vegan, if you're a vegan, vegans will go, okay, vitamin D3, you know, that comes from an animal because vitamin D3 comes from lanolin, which is uh, from sheep's wool. Then they would want to look at fungal vitamin D and and look at that as a source. I know there's also a, a, a lichen based vitamin D3 out on the market too, that, that would be something that a vegan could look towards. But the bottom line is, look, vitamin D is important no matter how you get it. But this is something that's just so fascinating about mushrooms is you can actually turn that ergosterol into vitamin D2. Now, uh, mushrooms also have very good quantities of B vitamins. So when you're eating mushrooms, um, thiamine, riboflavin, and niacin, uh, B1, 2, and 3, you are getting good amounts of that. So for every uh, 100 grams of fresh weight, for example, um, you'd be getting 25% of your RDA of niacin. So, so that's another benefit that you're going to get out of mushrooms. Plus, you know, the fact is, is that, is that mushrooms, because of the fiber content, are also going to be feeding your microbiome. And, and that's also where uh, these beta-glucans will also kick in as well. So, so really, I look at mushrooms as this high-quality food that in, in a lot of cases, especially in the West where we don't eat nearly as many mushrooms as other parts of the world, like if you go out into Asia, there's probably 12 different mushroom species that are in their marketplaces. People, it's just a very common food over there. They're eating a lot of mushrooms. Studies that have been done uh, with large population groups and they give them tests and they, they talk about, <clears throat> okay, who, who's got mushrooms in their diet and who doesn't? And they, they look at all the, the different variables. And they basically are saying that uh, populations that ha- are eating a lot of mushrooms and have mushrooms into their diet live longer than populations that don't. And, okay. and I, I really believe that because I know that this is a very, very positive food. And it's certainly lacking uh, here in the West. And, and that's why I'm always advocating for people to get more mushrooms into their diet. Have you ever had um, shiitake mushrooms? Gosh, I'm trying to think, you know, they are a little harder to find, you know, in our grocery stores, uh, maybe a little, I live pretty rural area. <laughs> so, but I have not, not that I can recall. I, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? And, and that's certainly a, uh, one of the issues out there, because I tell people, well, look, if you're in an urban area, you've got all of these different mushroom selections. So you probably just have the, the standard button mushroom, but the button mushroom is an excellent mushroom. Uh, I, I, you know what, I was on the mushroom farm for 10 years. That was the major mushroom that we were cultivating. Mm. I ate a ton of it while I was there. I still love that mushroom. It's got a great flavor. It's um, easy to work with. And, and But <clears throat> this is a, a tip for everybody out there because 
the way you cook that mushroom is going to make a difference in how your children or family yeah. are going to accept it. <laughs> yes, so, actually, I was a funny thing. I was just texting with a friend today, and um, they're going to come over for dinner. And I was like, you know, it's kind of a cold, rainy day. This this mushroom stew is calling my name, you know, out of like carrots and mushrooms. And she's like, yeah, that sounds great for us adults. My kids won't touch mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, they can carb load on the potatoes with the stew goes over. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. And, and you know what? Having mushrooms in a stew is great. I, I never make a stew without throwing in a, a lot of mushrooms. But if you've got mushrooms and you're cooking them like uh, in eggs or you're cooking them in a stir fry or some other method like that, it's very important when you cook them. And this is like when it comes to frying them primarily. And this is what I'm talking about. Make sure you use a hot pan because mm -hmm. if your pan is too cool when you're cooking them, all the water will come right out of them. And then those mushrooms are going to be sitting in a pool of water. And when it comes out on the plate, it will be soggy. And your kids will go slimy. And and so hot, hot pan. Um, brown them up on either side. Don't worry about overcooking them. That's just fine. I like to cook them a little longer than some people. But I like to brown them on both sides. And remember... When you're cooking mushrooms, especially frying them, they will shrink. Mm -hmm. You will you think, oh, you've got a lot when you throw them in the pan and then you turn your head and then you look back and it's like, where did they go? <laughs> they will shrink down to half their size. So don't be shy about putting them in. I mean, I can I can literally uh, eat. 200 grams, which is half a pound of agaricus mushrooms in a sitting, no problem at all. You know, no problem. I, I, I use mushrooms in so many different ways. You know, mm. I'll, I'll cook, always put them into my stir fry, fry. If I'm doing eggs, of course they're going into the eggs. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I will even just fry them up. And they're a side dish. They're, a, you know, like a, having a vegetable dish. And I'll just eat them that way. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Delicious, you know, with the agaricus. So, so there's, they're so versatile. There's so many ways to do it. Like I said, the stew, for sure. Get them into the stew. Um. Now, of course, the texture there is not going to be like when you fry it up and they're right. nice and, and kind of, you know, browned off and things like that. Then the kids will go, oh, there's mushroom. <laughs> they want to eat it. And they have a plate full of mushrooms sitting there when they're finished. But but look, it's it's a great food if you know how to work with it. If you are in an urban area where you have an opportunity to shop for other species like shiitake shiitake mushroom is wonderful it's got a fantastic flavor a great aroma it's easy to work with it's in mo it's it's much more common in the united states these days and, and these are just foods that if you prepare them properly and get them into your diet you will definitely get a lot of benefits from them. Yeah. So a question, when you were talking about cooking them, 
is, you know how sometimes when you cook vegetables, they say, oh, they might lose some of their nutritional value. Is that the same with mushrooms or do they retain like all of the good stuff in them? Well, you know, I don't think any food retains all of its good yeah. stuff when you're cooking it, <laughs> you know. So, so you know, and I, th I think what are most susceptible to cooking uh, uh, would be um, vitamins. So, okay. so there would always be a, a bit of a loss, but I just think you have to think of that just like you would any other food. There's always going to be some kind of loss there on it. I mean, one thing you're not going to do with mushrooms, you're not going to steam them, certainly. Yeah. You'll, you'll fry them or, or, you know, if you make a soup of them, well, generally speaking, most of the nutrients will stay right there in that soup or that stew oh, or whatever yeah. it is. So, so yeah, that, that works too. But, but I wouldn't worry too much about the, the important beta-glucans that are in there, which are the medicinal compounds. They are not affected by heat. So they're going to be very, very stable. The, the other thing about cooking mushrooms too, just to uh, one more tip about it, when you're slicing mushrooms, especially the agaricus, slice it about a quarter of an inch thick. Don't slice it too thin, you know, because again, remember that is going to shrink and then you're going to have this really thin thing there and you're going to go, oh my goodness. So, yeah. so about a quarter of an inch thick is about the perfect width when you're slicing up your mushrooms. And, and the other thing, if you're buying agaricus, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think, Oh, these things are are grown in compost, and and man, I got to be careful because you know, look, there's the looks like some some kind of compost or something on these, yeah. and oh, ew, you know, mushrooms. This agaricus mushroom, it grows from a compost, but actually that compost is covered with what we call a casing layer of peat moss. So if you ever go in and and your mushrooms seem a little bit dirty, it's peat moss. Don't worry about it. You can easily just put them under the faucet, kind of twirl them a bit in the in the cup of your hand, uh, take off any of that extraneous if there is any. There's not always that there. Sometimes there is. You can take that off easily enough. But just remember, it's not compost on there. It's just peat moss. And, and again, you know, it's uh, it's really interesting because. When you're in one of those mushroom houses picking mushrooms, there these people are going in and they are pulling those out of the peat moss, and then they're what they're doing is they're cutting off the bottom of the stem to basically get rid of that peat moss that's holding on to the bottom of the stem. So they cut that off and put it in their basket, but you know it's not exactly something where you can keep all of that out of your basket. Some of that peat moss gets mm -hmm. in there. So occasionally you'll see a, a mushroom that's a, might have some of that peat moss on it, but don't be disturbed by that. Mm, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Lately I've just taken to wiping off my mushrooms with like a little towel, you know? Absolutely. To, you know? Ab, that's the other way you can do it too, is do that. I mean, some people have a little brush that they use as well. So there's any number of ways and, and that's, uh, but again, don't, do not think that you've got compost or anything on there because, you know, some people are like, oh my God, that's manure. And it's like, <laughs> no, it, don't, don't worry. It's not. And, and you know, look, composting is a wonderful thing. And by the time that compost gets prepared for mushrooms, it is, it is totally changed. Everything that's in there yeah. is, is totally changed. And it's a wonderfully nutritious, what we call substrate. And, and look, 
what do, what do people normally put into their vegetable gardens? They put in all sorts of organic matter to provide nutrients for those vegetables, right? Yeah. It's like we don't eat the dirt when it comes out of the ground or whatever it's growing in. We, we cut that away. We cut the roots away or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so to move into kind of the, the supplement area. Um, so say someone's like, nope, I'm still not going to eat this. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get yep. me to do it. So yep. the extract and supplement or powder is, is a good idea for them. And maybe even a good idea, even if you're eating mushrooms as well, you know, um, lots of tons of benefits. So is it, I guess, just as good as eating a mushroom to, to supplement with the powder? Well, you know what? Um, it, it, it certainly can be, the, but let, let's, let's talk about supplements for uh, uh, a second in terms of the the broad strokes here, because, you know, I have to be frank with you that the supplement space is fraught with a danger in terms of what is good, what is not. And one of the biggest problems is that uh, a lot of supplements do not have enough of those compounds in the capsule to give you any real benefits. Right. Remember, supplements when they're sold are like, okay, here's a bottle. We've got 60 capsules. Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. And you take two capsules a day. Oh, yeah. Well, why, why do I do that? Well, it's a month's supply, right? <laughs> and, and so the question is, is there enough in there to make a difference? And uh, for example, well, okay, I've got this bottle and uh, here I am and, you know, I weigh uh, 120 pounds, but my husband weighs 200 pounds. Do we both take two capsules? Mm. Well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? So so that's something you always have to remember. And if you're going to take a supplement, the worst thing you can do is not take enough. So mm. you really have to um, find supplements that are high quality and generally speaking have information on it for example that will say okay this contains x amount of the active ingredient uh so uh oftentimes that means it's an extract if it's just a ground up herb chances of getting any benefits are really low mm -hmm. so avoid that look for extract products one of the things that's happened in the mushroom space which is is really unfortunate. Are, are you familiar with a food called tempeh? Yes. Mm -hmm. Great. That's wonderful. It's it's a wonderful food. Do you know how they make it? I, I do not. No. <laughs> well, and, and you know it's a fermented food, right? right? Yep. Okay. Well, tempeh is uh, cooked soybeans, and then it is fermented with a fungus. So, so when you look at tempeh, it's, it's kind of like, um, a white soy cake yep. and that white is basically mycelium. Oh. Isn't that interesting? So they use fungal mycelium and they grow it out in Indonesia. That's where they eat a lot of tempeh and that's where it kind of comes from. And, and, um, this fungus that they, they grow on, it grows really fast. So that's what's doing the fermenting. And, and that's nothing new. I mean, I mean, fungi do a lot of fermenting out there. I mean, we use uh, fungi when we're, 
we're making uh, beer and all sorts of other products. So this is, you know, because yeast is in that uh, fungal uh, kingdom. So, so, um, so what, what is happening here in this category of medicinal mushrooms, Sarah, is that there are companies out there in the United States that are growing out that mycelium in a, in a sterile culture on cooked grain. So they sterilize grain, they inoculate it with mycelium. The, the mycelium grows all over that grain, much like tempeh. Mm-hmm. And then they take it and they dry it, they grind it to a powder, and they call it mushroom. Oh. Oh, it's not a mushroom. What it is, it is tempeh. And, and if you were to ever take that block of tempeh and dry it out, you know what you'd find? You'd, you'd go like, where did all that white stuff go? Because the mycelium on that tempeh, which has been fermenting the soy, is 90% water. The soy itself is 50% water. So when you dry it down, that, the, that mycelium almost disappears. You think there's a lot there, but when you dry it, it's like, oh my God, where did it go? So what they're doing is they're actually selling you tempeh, which is mostly grain powder, and they're calling it mushroom. Wow. And it is not mushroom. So when you go looking for a mushroom product in a supplement store, you have to be very careful. And one of the ways that you know for certain that it's one of these tempeh products is mushrooms are really expensive to grow. They, mm-hmm. they are expensive. But in the, in the United States, we can grow mushrooms uh, and sell them into the marketplace. We can make a profit. It's a good business. There's a lot, lots of business doing that. But a supplement is a dried powder. So if I'm getting $5 for that pound of mushrooms that I'm selling to the store or the wholesaler or something, now when I dry those out, they're 90% water, Mm. like most vegetables. So now all of a sudden, instead of $5, I've got to get $50 for that same pound of mushrooms. The economics do not work. So there are no mushrooms grown in the United States and put into the supplement market. So what these companies have done is they'll grow this mycelium part on sterilized grain. They will dry it, grind it it to a powder, and they won't remove the grain. So what they end up selling you is mostly starch and look (laughs) mushrooms do not contain starch and you weren't trying to buy starch you were trying to buy a mushroom so so it's you know look for that as your first key does it say um, made in the usa or grown in the usa you know grown in the usa it's not mushroom then um and, and you should also look for, is it saying and, and saying giving you a percentage of beta glucans 
all the products that we sell basically will we will we will say uh, greater than 25% beta glucans, 30% beta glucans, something like that. We want people to know that it's got the active compounds in there. That's very, very important. And that it's a hundred percent of a mushroom. It's not this tempeh like product that they're selling to people. And, and it is, it is really unfortunate because people who, I mean, there's people out there that don't eat grains for one. Right. And, and a lot of these companies are not telling you because when they're selling the product on the label, it says it's got a picture of a mushroom and it says shiitake mushroom, reishi mushroom. And then um, what happens is the, the ones that are a little more ethical on the back, they'll say mycelium. Okay. Oh, mycelium. Mm. And then if you look at the fine print, sometimes it will say myceliated brown rice or myceliated oats. That is the key. Avoid those products because uh, otherwise you're just going to be getting mostly starch. And here's, here's a great science project for your kids. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever have, uh, or somebody that, you know, has one of those wants to, or wants to test the product they've got. Well, uh, Pull out the capsules, empty four or five capsules into a quarter cup of water, stir it up really good. Get yourself a little bottle of iodine, put 10 drops of iodine in. There's what's called the iodine starch test. If that is mostly starch, mushrooms don't have starch, it will turn black. Oh. Oh, it is so much fun. And you can expose these products just like that with this iodine starch test. Wow. Oh, this is so eye-opening. Wow. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because uh, half the products in the marketplace calling themselves mushrooms are not actually mushroom products. They're, they're tempeh, dried and ground tempeh. And look, Tempeh is a great food, but what they're selling is a food product, pretending it's a supplement and charging you a lot for starch when you thought you were actually buying a mushroom product. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So the ones on, um, on the Namex website are actually labeled as extracts, which make me think like liquid. Are, are your extracts liquid then or are they? No. And, and, you know, that, that's very common um, okay. misconception about extracts is that, oh, that, that's a, a liquid because we kind of think about an extract as, as a liquid, but no, ours are all powders, extract okay. powders. And look, let me just say one thing about liquid extracts too, <laughs> while I'm at it, <laughs> because, you know, there's a couple things. First of all, um, liquids are mostly water or alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes there are companies out there that make really good, strong liquid extracts. If they are, they should not be clear. They should be pretty cloudy and should have a lot of residue in there because that's where you're going to get a really good one. But if you just have a clear one and, and uh, you're taking it and it's like, you know, they say, oh, it's a dropper full or something. You're not going to get 
many benefits from that. And and the ones that make the best liquid extracts, stay away from really the uh, big brands. And uh, there's a few out there that I like. I don't mention brands. But if you have any herbalists that you know of, a lot of herbalists make their own liquid extracts. They call them tinctures. An herbalist knows better. They're right there. They're collecting the herbs. They're making the extracts. Their extract, their liquid products will be, generally speaking, very high quality and a much better value than a lot of the ones that are out in the marketplace. Mm, That's a good point. I just had um, a recent author on who was talking about medicinal gardening and you know she was saying she just makes this medicinal tea and she puts her herbs right in there and just lets it seep for hours and hours and so yeah kind of that same probably you know kind of method there oh yeah oh yeah a- absolutely because you know like uh, liquid extracts that is a traditional Chinese medicine they would take these um, herbs like you go into uh, one of those traditional Chinese medicine doctors and he like, okay, here's your prescription. And he gives you a, a, uh, uh, wrapped up a whole bunch of herbs. And you're like, oh my God, you take them home, you boil them up. And what do you have? And then you, you separate out all that fiber. So you just have the liquid and you're looking at that. And it is this dark, thick (laughs) liquid and it tastes horrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it is very powerful and strong. So liquid extracts, nothing wrong with them at all if they're produced correctly. But what I'm saying is so many of them are just, you know, and sometimes you'll people will take a dropper full and go, oh, that's really got a nice tingly feel to it. And so there must be something going on. Well, that's what the alcohol <laughs> is like. That's what's giving you that little tingle. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure always like um, the price, just make, just keep an eye on the price because it's a more authentic one. You know, I go and I think like extracts. Okay. So you go buy pure vanilla, um, you know, extract. Yes. 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 Than imitation. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I know. I know. That's, that's right. I, I'm always looking for that when I buy my vanilla extract. I, I'm looking like, okay, I really want the real thing because I'm, I'm using, you know, a teaspoon here, a teaspoon there. I want the real thing. I don't want the imitation. Exactly. I just want the real thing. Right. And we should look at our vitamins the same way, right? Well, well, well yeah, our vitamins and supplements. I mean, we want, we want the real thing. We don't want facsimiles yeah. uh, or, or imitation or, or something that, you know, has been created in a laboratory. Right. Yeah, for sure. So um, the powders that um, Neomax sell, like how, like, um, how much do you take of that even? Like at, for like its medicinal benefits, like just a little bit do you mix it like in something or i think people are always curious about that because i think right now the what the mushroom coffees are like a really hot thing <laughs> <laughs> i know i know they are well let me you know here here's what happens is is that you know again it's one of those things where you have to be very careful because there there is what we call in the industry fairy dusting that means you just put a little bit in, but you, that's what you call your product. You call it, oh, it's a reishi coffee. And you've just put a little bit in and, and it's not going to really give you any benefits, but they take the name and they make you think, oh, gee. So, so you, again, you have to be really careful because you really need a certain amount. For example, with uh, our 
powdered extracts just to, with our entry level, what we call our one-to-one -one extracts when we sell them on a retail basis. And again, I, I can't do anything about my customers and how they sell them and how much they put in their products. I have no control over that, but we do have a line of, of um, retail products. And what we would recommend on those is a minimum of two grams and and that sort of is would be like for most of those products would be four capsules i think but a minimum of two grams we sell it in uh, bulk powder pouches and also in capsules and 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 my, my rule of thumb on on the mushroom extracts is like two to five grams of of um and this is something that a a actual an md who also knew traditional Chinese medicine came up with. He did a lot of research on reishi. He came up with, oh, okay, they traditionally use two to five dried grams of mushroom or extract equivalent. So let's, let's just say it's um, uh, five grams of dried mushroom, and then you had a 10 to one extract, which means 10 uh, pounds of dried mushroom goes into one pound of extract powder. Okay, 10 to 1. So you could go, okay, uh, 500 milligrams of a 10 to 1 extract would be the dose. And that would be comparable to 5 grams of just the, the extract or, or of just the, the dried mushroom itself. And, and again, with the mushroom supplements, really you want them to be processed in some way. So with our mushroom, just straight powders, we would do a... Uh, extraction of them just to break them down a little bit, break down the cell walls, make what's there a little more bioavailable. And then we also have extracts where we are concentrating them. Maybe it's a eight to one extract means okay. eight pounds into one pound. And, and uh, or sometimes we'll have a 10 to one extract, which is 10 pounds goes into one pound of the extract. Those are more concentrated. You don't have to take quite as many. So the, the benefits of those for people that are putting out products that are in capsules means, OK, now I don't have to ha take four capsules. I can only take I can take one capsule and I'm getting the same benefits. So that's kind of how it works. And, and again, do not take too little. Do not take too little um, because you really are not going to get the benefits of it that you you should be getting. And and again, look very closely at labels if you're buying a supplement product. Don't depend on the person in the store. Yeah. They oftentimes are no different than your doctor that has salespeople coming through saying, oh, gee, we've got this great new drug and here's what it does. And here we want you to sell it. And if you uh, and by the way, we've got a big conference coming up where it's all free. We'll fly you out to Hawaii. Yeah. And then he, that's what he does. Right. And it's the same in the stores is they have companies coming around, educating people in the stores. And then, then when, when you go to the mushroom shelves and you see all these products and you ask them, Oh, what's good here. They'll point you right to the product where the salesperson has been through. Yeah. Nope. That totally makes sense. This is such great information. Wow. Yeah. This <laughs> Thank has really you. Been, yeah. No, it's really been really helpful. I think for anybody that is looking to, you know, either eat more fresh mushrooms or even supplement with, you know, an extract slash powder. Um, can, can you just purchase your the Namex ones right on your website or do you only sell those through like a retailer wholesaler? Well, you know, we have a, a retail division and it's called Real Mushrooms. And so it's realmushrooms.com. So you can go to our website and I think first time purchase gets a... Um, 25% discount. 
So um, you can definitely get our products off, off the website there. And we only sell it online. We don't sell the, the uh, retail products uh, in stores just because I don't want to compete with our wholesale customers. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, certainly, certainly people can do that. And, and look, Sarah, I just want to be clear too. I'm not here to sell products. Oh yeah, no. I mean, this has been great, and you know, and always that's the follow-up question for people, right? Like, oh, this has been great information. Now, how do I add this in? Where do I get yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. You know, I, I'm really here to try and educate people because, again, you know, I call mushrooms a forgotten food. Well, and and nobody's been to a mushroom farm, so people don't know much about mushrooms, how they're grown, the nutritional benefits of them, and that's really what I'm trying to impart to people is that type of knowledge so that they can be a little more comfortable and and know a little bit more about the wonderful benefits of this product yeah no i agree or or you're like me who you know i've i've heard okay mushrooms are really good but i don't i don't know why like why are they good for me (laughs) that was such a nice educational benefit for me having you on this podcast Uh why why are they good for me i've heard that but you know, I, I'm not sure. And uh, just all your tips on preparing them and just what a wealth of knowledge you have from studying them for so long. And how cool that you actually, you know, were interested in that as a kid and then went on to kind of have a whole career in it. That's just amazing <laughs> to me. <laughs> Especially in our world of where we flip-flop careers all the time just to see that interest yeah well it's interesting to me because in a sense i knew early on like especially after i went to the mushroom farm and i was there for so many years and studied it while i was there as well i knew early on what a wonderful thing mushrooms were and and i was eating a lot of them and and i had lots of friends that were interested as well and so for me it's just kind of like um the world is catching up the western world especially is catching up and and starting to understand mushrooms better, something that they've known in, in Asia and Europe. I, I mean, you know, the French are crazy about mushrooms, the Italians, Eastern Europe, they eat a ton of mushrooms. So, so really it's, it's one of those foods that's been out there, but for some reason in the West, we've just kind of, you know, like UK and North America, we've just kind of been behind uh, the curve on this and, and, Today, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, holy smokes, where did this whole thing come? Mushrooms, where did it come from? Well, it's been out there and it's just been a very organic sort of growth where it's just finally hit what I would call kind of escape velocity. And and again, the the way I kind of picture it is just like, look, the mushroom's always been there, but it's been too small for you to notice. Mm. all of a sudden it's reached a certain size and you're walking down that same path every day and you go, Oh, look at that. A mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? It wasn't there yesterday. Well, it was there yesterday, but it was just too small for you to notice. Mm. Yeah. So, so come more awareness, right? And uh, yes. with that, I think your message of the educational part of it, even when it wasn't known, but even more so now that, you know, we are hearing about it more in the marketplace. I think it requires even more education. So you do, like you said, you know what to look for and 
you know that you're actually getting the real deal type of thing, yeah. you know? So I think your, your message and uh, education on that is so key right now. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that with us. You're, you're welcome. And, and I hope that people out there will not disappoint their children and cook their mushrooms properly. <laughs> yes, right, right. I know. I'm a big fan in the summer of grilling them on, you know, like a charcoal grill. They really get that nice taste to them. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's that's wonderful too. And, and you know, I really appreciate you having me on, Sarah. It's been great speaking to you about it. And I, I hope that your listeners will get some benefit from it. Oh, they for sure will. Thanks again, Jeff. You're welcome. I love spreading the news when I learn something new. Yes, seriously, you can ask my husband, friends, siblings. When I learn something new, I love to talk about it and really dig into like knowing everything about it. And ironically, Jeff and I's conversation about mushrooms came up a few days after I recorded this podcast. Some friends were over and we had, yes, wait for it, we had mushroom bourguignon for dinner. So of course I had to share all my new information on how mushrooms boosted our immunity and were actually used in so many medicinal ways and, you know... I thought it was really cool. Hopefully they learned something. My son, who overheard me talking later, did tell me that now, you know, he understood the benefits of mushrooms. So there's always room to learn. So you never really know when the information is going to pop up and be useful in daily life. In all seriousness, though, Jeff was so knowledgeable about mushrooms, about how they're grown, about how to use them, about how to use them for medicinal purposes, and I hope you really enjoyed the conversation. If you have any other questions on mushrooms, head over to our show notes at badtothebowl.com forward slash 38 to get all the show notes and learn how to connect with Jeff and get your questions answered. Again, that's badtothebowl.com dot com forward slash 38. Thanks again for listening.